Hello and welcome back to the AFL Footy Fill Up, your ultimate punting guide for season 2020. As always, I'm joined by my two experts. First off, Statsman Jacob Wilson. How are you, Jacob? Very well, thanks, Kramer. And our total points expert, Jay Clark. Welcome, Jay. <laughs> Hello, Angus. That's some smile you've got on you, uh, on you, Jacob. That's a no. I don't know, you know, and I don't know why you're flashing those pearly whites because it's going to get straight to this off the top. Two weeks ago, you had an exceptional week. You absolutely shot the lights out, and then last week, just sort of tailed off a touch, just like a little bit. You know, you sort of you liked Marlon Pickett. Um, to sort of step in the absence, step up in the absence of some of those Richmond ball winners. He had one possession at quarter time, only one possession at half time. And I'm just wondering, <laughs> you know, like Kane Corn says that Damien Hardwick's got ahead of himself. I just wonder whether after that, that really big round two weeks ago, you, you may have also sort of had that, you know, of a self-inflated opinion. Can you, do you yeah. sort of think? I, you, I'm a bit you know, worried about that. Chris Kramer did allude to it, and there is a bit of history with that. Back in my old cricket career when I was a junior cricketer, I had about, I think it was eight consecutive innings getting out between 20 and 30. So I'd get the eye in, play very conservative. As soon as I got a bit of confidence up, <laughs> I'd take one too many risks and get, get caught pretty quickly. So um, yeah. maybe just maybe I'll, I'll reel it back this week. No more. I've got one big bet in here, but, but nothing too risky. Yeah. You did have a play couple of wins. You had uh, Trelaw, Trelaw flew over his disposal line, got 35. Uh, you just beat a line there. But, Jay, you're not worried that you um, talking smack about him and getting up and about is going to hurt you next week? You went five out of nine last week. Yeah, you just got to go for it pretty much. I mean, you know, the West Indies batting lineup back in the day, you just got to swing for the fences. If it, You know, it's you got to win gloriously, if you know what I mean, Angus. So, um, look, I feel like I'm in exceptional form with the total point score. So whilst some games can be a flip of the coin in terms of who's going to win the match, I'm seeing the lines like an absolute beach ball, the total point score. So I think we'll stick with a winning strategy this week, Angus. All right, well, we will get stuck into it because the total points line in this first game is unbelievable. I couldn't believe I thought it was a mistake when it came up. It's the Cats yeah. and the Pies. Uh, the Cats outsiders, $2, and the Pies, eighty two and a half point favourites. But this total points line, 102.5. I haven't seen anything that low <laughs> ever. Uh, Jacob, you're the numbers man. Talk me through why that's so low. Well, I think there's a low pressure system coming in from the West, and that's going to bring a lot of rain, which is which is really what um, is predicted. I think there's about 80% chance of rain. Um, when the game starts, uh, that, that's always something you can you can bet against if you want to go over the scoring line. But Collingwood also had the lowest scoring matches of any team. This matches this year averaging 106 points, which is 13 points fewer than any other team. So expect low scores from, from Collingwood. But on the flip side, uh, the Cats have the highest scoring matches of any team this year at 140 points. I don't know what to make of the line market. Jay, you're seeing them like beach balls. I'll leave that one to yeah. you. I think yeah. here I'm more worried about uh, Geelong halftime, full-time. That rain and slippery conditions we know don't work in the favour of Collingwood. We saw what happened in the prelim final last year. We saw what happened in round four against Essendon as well. You fooled me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Do not bet on them. In that game in round four, the Bombers went with about two to one kick to handball ratio, so taking twice as many kicks as they do handballs. Whereas the Magpies were going one to one, just handballing around, handballing around. And even Bucks at halftime said they'd address it. They couldn't address it in that second half as well. So they have issues um, with their style in wet games. That's why I'm going for Geelong, halftime, full time, $2.75. So it's the Cats for Jacob. And Jay, I see you are going to play with that total points line. Yeah, I'm going to have a crack at the under. I uh, thought the same thing, Angus. I think that's the lowest total 
point line I've ever seen, but I'm still going to take it on with that uh, with that low pressure system. So I do like the unders. I, I don't know how you could possibly back the winner of this game with any sort of confidence. We saw Geelong smash Brisbane look like the form team of the competition all of a sudden, and then Collingwood we know um, you know bounced back to form last weekend with a very impressive win over uh, Hawthorne, Hawthorne as well. So look, I think this is an absolute uh, flip of the coin. I'm with you, Jacob, on the question mark over the pies in wet games, but I think they adjust. I think they try and adjust. I think they learn from those those sort of examples and play more of a territory game rather than that that short possession control the ball. So look, I really got to focus on Brody Grundy in this game because I do expect there'll be a lot of stoppages. I think that he um, probably unlike some of the other games this season, he might be looking to grab the ball out of the ruck and kick long to get that territory that we're sort of talking about and adjust that game style. So Brody Grundy has hit twenty possessions in two games this season. Uh, I like him to do it in a third um, against the Cats. So I've got the big focus on him. I wonder if there's been a slight adjustment of, of role for Brody Grundy this season, but I like him to really sort of rack up, uh, rack up those, those uh, a bigger possession number uh, in the, in the clinches um, and, and the, for the total point score to be under, because I think Geelong, I reckon they're going to, you know, I don't want, I don't think they don't want Collingwood to have the ball this whole game as well. So they might try and possess it uh, at times as well. I think they'll both try and do the same thing. We saw Geelong do it against Melbourne uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I think under and a big focus on Brodie Grundy to um, to go over 20 possessions, boys. Can I suggest maybe instead of going for the possessions with Brooke Grundy, given the wet conditions, it might be better to go to the fantasy market. So he's going to get a lot of hit outs, maybe a lot of tackles as well if there's a lot of stoppages. So maybe instead of going for the 20-plus position, just have a look at his um, fantasy line and maybe go over on that. Good call, Jacob. Uh, we push on to the Friday night game. It's Essendon and the Dogs. The Bombers, they take on the Dogs without Dylan Shield. Uh, Jay Clark, I'll stick with you. Can they cover that loss? Yeah, that's this is going to be a really fascinating game. I mean, the Bulldogs' form swings have been psychotic, haven't they? I mean, they've won three, they've lost three by an average of 50 points. So it is almost impossible to draw a consistent form line. How would you know what they're going to do against Essendon this week? Essendon lose Shield, they get back Merritt. I've got the binoculars on Darcy Parrish in this one. So he had 21 possessions last week, more midfield time. It looked like, I'll check with you on that in a sec, Jacob. So for Dar- I'm going Darcy Parrish, over 15 possessions and over 20 possessions. Darcy Parrish, over 20, is four bucks. Now, um, as I said, without Shield, I-, I think that is a really good bet uh, in this game. Jacob, off the top of your head, are you? do you know how much... Darcy Parrish played in the midfield last week. Yeah, it was, a, it was a flip back to the midfield for Darcy Parrish last week. So he, he was playing about 20, 30% midfield uh, for the first five rounds. Last week, almost pure midfield, 80% in the midfield, had a lot more of the ball. So if you can get $4 for him to, to have 20 disposals, that's that's astounding um, odds there, especially with Dylan Chill out where you'd expect his midfield minutes maybe to and importance to increase as well. So uh, that, that, that's great odds you found there. I'm going with Essendon half-time, full-time. Now, the reason is I think the Bulldogs are really going to miss uh, playing at Marvel Stadium. You look at their last two results, so they beat the Giants by 24 points. They beat North Melbourne by 49. Definitely Marvel specialists with that high handball style. So you know, look across the last four years, they've been in the bottom uh, three tests for kick-to-handball ratio, so preferring to handball um, in each of those four seasons. And when, when they're going to that Metricon Stadium, as they did against Carlton, it was slippery, it was wet, and they just and they over-possessed the ball a little bit more. So Essen, we know, could like to play this go-forward style like Richmond do, which works well in these conditions. Um, so I'm going to go with Essen half-time, full-time. That's playing $2.50. 
and we know you're serious because you're a renowned Bulldog sympathiser, so uh, we know you must be really talking about that. When you talk about the halftime full-time, uh, you said a couple of weeks ago all nine games were the halftime full-time. What were the numbers like last week? Seven of nine. So as long as we're getting 75% of games going over halftime full-time, you're definitely getting a better return on your money. Uh, so seven of nine is, is 78%. So we're still above that number last week. So uh, it's worth the risk to get that extra 30% uh, put onto your odds to go for the halftime full-time while we're still getting uh, across the seasons about 88%. Even last week was 78%. Love that. Plenty of value there. Uh, the next game, the Giants and the Lions, two teams with premiership aspirations who disappointed a little bit last round. Uh, Jay Clark, who wins? Yeah, I think Brisbane, um, with only a line of what a couple of points, is a pretty attractive brand here, a, a bet here. I've got a pretty big question mark over the um, Giants at the moment and just their inability to get the ball forward. Their inside 50 numbers are so low. We know they're um, a, a really efficient side, but why isn't this team winning the ball out in the middle? Why can't they get it forward more regularly? Why can't they win the territory game? So um, I don't the, ball, the, the Giants have been the premiership favourite the past couple of um, weeks. I think they are the biggest false favourite I've seen in, in in a few years. Like, it's just extraordinary that they could be the, the top choice for the flag at the moment. I like the Cats at about 11 bucks. If Geelong beat Collingwood this weekend, their, their premiership quote could halve, I reckon. They're currently 11. So I'm off the Giants. I like the Brisbane. I know they played poorly last weekend, but... I think uh, the Lions to bounce back in this one, a, a two and a half point line or whatever is pretty appealing for me. Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, I'm staggered with the odds in this one. I think uh, it's what $1.70 to $2.10. It should be flipped. Brisbane should be starting about the $1.65, $1.70 favourites in this one. You mentioned Gina versus inside 50 count. They've lost it in every single match this year. They've lost the contested possession count in five of their six games. Why aren't they winning it out of the middle? Great question. Uh, if you look at the, their clearest differential, over the last three seasons, they've been ranked in the top three teams in each of those years. Now they're in the bottom four in 2020. Last week was especially poor at the stoppages. There's a lot of things going wrong at GWS at the moment. They're lucky to have three wins on the board. Uh, the fact that they're premiership favourites is staggering. The fact that they're favourites in this game, I'm not buying anything um, with GWS in the title. Just get on Brisbane here. I'm going to go really big on this one because I think this is the, the, the worst price Ooh. game by the traders. So I'm going to go for Brisbane 40 plus at $14 is my best roughie for this week. I would, ha I would just oh, take Brisbane head to head or I'd take Brisbane with a 20 point um, line as well. But I think if you want some big money, this could be a great chance with, with Brisbane who had one really poor quarter last week, the rest of the premiership favorites up until that point. Um, they can bounce back, have a big win here and get you $14 odds. Jacob, what we need here is a bell. If I had a little bell here, I'd just start ding, 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 like that. That sounds like a high bet game. So <laughs> Very high bet game. On the yeah. lines, I like that. Next week, I'm getting a little bell. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a little bit worried, Jacob, like your cricket career, you're getting a bit too excited. You're starting to swing <laughs> for the fences, and I reckon you're going to get bold in this one. A uh, bit of a worry there. We, we push on to the next game. It's the Suns, who are favourites again. As they take on the 17th place Swans. Uh, line about four and a half at the moment. Jacob, I'll start with you on this one. Can the uh, the Suns get back on the winners list? Uh, don't care about the result. Don't care. It's all about Isaac Rankin. Isaac Rankin is my spirit animal. He is everything I want in life. Watching him play last week was just about as happy as I've been. I watched the Saints um, give up a 36-point lead, gave up footy, and then watched Isaac Rankin play and realised I love footy again. He was the best junior champion data's ever recorded. He was the number one player at the 2017 Championships. Mm. on ratings. That was as an underage player. Came back the next year as a top-age player. Was the number one rated player at those championships again. 
Uh, he kicked 28 goals from 20 sample games as a junior. His six shots on goal in, on debut were his most by a player since Kyle Hardingham in 2010. He will be the most exciting player in the league over the next 15 years. I think he's a more exciting player than Cyril Rioli. Oh. I'm going for Isaac Rankin, two-plus goals. He's paying $3 for that. Uh, just enjoy the show. There was about 10 seconds of play. I don't know if anyone saw the, the 10 seconds of play I'm talking about here, where he marked the ball on the flank, tried to take on the tackler, got caught high in the ball, tried to backheel it out of that tackle, got caught high, tried to handball it into the uh, – fake out the man on the mark with a handball into him, handballed it over the top for a goal assist, and then gave some chirp to Ed Langdon, who was the man on the mark. It was about the most exciting 10 seconds I've ever seen. And all he did was take a mark and try to play on from it. So just watch Isaac Rank and enjoy the show. Um, that's all I'm watching for in this game. I don't know why you're not a commentator, Jacob, that play-by-play. Well, I still don't, I'm no clear as to what went on there, but I'm, I'm sure it was fantastic. Uh, Jay, how are you playing this one? That um, was interesting, wasn't it? Because we've got Jacob, who's our, um, and we love him, but like very nerdy type. And then we've got Isaac Rankin, who's sort of leather jacket rock star on the football field. So the the contrasting personalities there is stark, stark, it's fair to say. But uh, I do love your passion there, Jacob. Remember speaking to a recruiter? Before that 2018 draft, we're all talking about Lacocious and and, uh, Sam Walsh. And the recruiter said to me, he said, if I had the number one pick without any question, I'd be taking Isaac Rankin. His ceiling is so high. So um, they are words that have always stuck in my head. So I've been looking forward to his debut. In this game, look, I I like the Suns. I give the Suns a big chance. We know the Swans um, are really vulnerable, aren't they? Um, Missing Isaac Kennedy, Josh Kennedy. Extraordinarily, the Suns opened this game earlier in the week, $1.85, $1.90. They've come right in. So um, that would have been smart to jump on it nice and early. But I like the total points unders in this. Um, we know the Suns and the Swans are both playing sort of pretty careful defensive style. So it's 124. Like, I think that should be set at about 115 or, or something like that. I think that should be much lower. So I'll be playing the unders in this one again, boys. So a little bit of value for Jacob and the total points line again for Jay uh, to take us into a break, which we need to go to because I need to find some sunnies to deal with this Geelong sunlight again, <laughs> proving to be a little bit of a problem. But when we come back, we'll have uh, plenty more bets for you. One of my favourite things about Bet Easy is all of the perks. Like watching every Australian race live in the palm of your hand so you can watch and bet anywhere, anytime. Bet Easy, raise your game. We are back on the AFL footy fill-up. I've managed to barely solve the issue and just turn my laptop around a little bit, but we'll see how we go. It's not about me. It's about you guys, and the camera will be on your face as much as possible. Uh, so we'll get to the next game. It's Richmond and North Melbourne. Tigers, nine-and-a-half-point favourites, with the Roos coming in off four straight losses. Jay, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, look, I still like, uh, I'll be going Richmond um, into total point score under again. The total point score under on all North Melbourne games um, has been very profitable. So no reason to go away from that strategy at this stage. I like the Tigers. Um, I've got a big question mark on North Melbourne. I mean, without Cunnington, Ben Brown out of form, their forward connection uh, is terrible at the moment. Taron Thomas with an ankle injury as well. They look really vulnerable at the moment, um, the Kangaroos. They really look like a bottom four side. And maybe that's been coming for a while. They haven't had the access to the top end of the draft uh, for some 
number of years, really. So maybe that's on show. Their, their game plan is really based around Cunnington winning that 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 that's a contested ball in the middle. They've been a bit all in seed recent weeks, so I think Richmond can again win without some of those premiership stars missing without um, missing through injury and and obviously the COVID stuff. So I like the Tigers into unders 123. There is no way in the world the uh, the Kangaroos will want to open this game up. And Jacob, you're on the same page with the total points there. Yeah, I'm stepping on Jay's toes a bit with uh, going the scoring under here. But how dare Damien Harwick <laughs> accuse Horse last week of, of creating the situation in that match which had the low scoring? Because what Richmond were doing, they were taking one of their midfield uh, forwards, sorry, putting them in the midfield to support their their depleted midfield. We know they were out without Prestia, Cochin, uh, Edwards, Dan Kervis. Their whole midfield was gone. So they were sending out that forward, often Lambert, up to the stoppage. Um, creating a 7v6 for them in the midfield. And that meant that Callum Mills was sitting off the ball as a, as a plus one defender and they couldn't go forward and they kept kicking the ball straight to Callum Mills. So it wasn't anything that Sydney were doing. It was Richmond who were creating the problem. And I think they'll continue to do it because they don't have that midfield coming back this week. They do need the support in there that that seventh midfielder was offering. Um, so especially when they're coming up against a strong midfield in Goldstein, Simpkin, Higgins, Cainton may be a chance to return here. But that that midfield group of, of those three players alone is enough to, to cause Richmond headaches. So I think they're going to try and do that and then maybe turn the game into a transition game, which is more in their, in their style. So expect this to be in the same manner that we saw that Sydney game where there is that plus one behind the ball. Whoever North Melbourne want that to be, be it Josh Walker, Jasper Pittard, um, whoever they want, they'll be able to, to get as a, as a loose defender and get, keep this scoring line under 123 and a half. Uh, Jacob, Marlon Pickett, how many touches? Marlon Pickett, uh, just, uh, you'll be playing in a scratch match, I think. I don't think you'll be playing in the seniors this week. I will say, on, in defence of that bet, I said he would be in the centre bounces. There was only seven goals kicked, so there was only 11 centre bounces for the entire match because there were no goals being kicked. So I have a little bit of a defence there, but uh, Marlon Pickett let me down, that's for sure. I'm not letting you off there. Uh, we will, we'll go to Carlton and Port Adelaide. The Blues are finally in the top eight, uh, but they're still pretty heavy outsiders in this one against the ladder leaders, Port Adelaide. Uh, Jacob, I'll stick with you. Uh, you with the power on this one. Yeah, I love the power's stoppage game at the moment. I'm going to go for them half-time, full-time. That's paying $1.65. Last week, they saw them move Rockliffe out of the team, and what that was able... Uh, for them to do is that meant Houston, who wants to play a bit more midfield time, came out of defence, went into the midfield, and I think gives them a better look in the midfield. Uh, Port Adelaide had the best clearance differential of any team last year. They've got the best clearance differential of any team this year as well. The other thing they've got in their team now as well, which they didn't really have last year, is all these long ball users, especially out of defence. So McKenzie, we know, is an especially long kick. Burton, Hartlett, and now Farrell as well, coming in off a wing. They've got the ability to clear defences and create, get the ball out of the back. Um, they lead the league for kicking metres gained this season. So I like everything that Port Adelaide is doing. Get on them, half-time, full-time, $1.65. And Jay, you believing in the power? I'm finally coming around. I think the power might actually be all right this year. Jay, your, yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, I'm on board the power. In saying that, I've been on them the past three years. So um, I'm down on the power, it's fair to say, and they're only just starting to pay me back uh, in, in 2020. Um, look, I think what's going to happen here is that Port Adelaide um, are really going to close down on Carlton's uncontested sort of, um, you know, that, that running game and, the, and that kicking game, which we saw come to the fore last weekend with that with that really big win. So they're a pretty disciplined side, I think, Port Adelaide under Ken Hinckley. And I don't think they're going to give the Blues ball winners that rope 
you know, that, that leash when they've got the footy. So the total point score, again, is 132. Um, look, I think that's that's way too big. We know Patrick Cripps says he's going to play after hurting his hurting his shoulder last week. Um, I think Port Adelaide will win. I think they'll really shut down on Carlton. I, I don't think they'll score 10 goals, uh, let alone score up near 100 points this week. Um, you know, there, there's some great matchups also for for Carlton's um, for Carlton's big forwards and for Charlie Dixon. You know, Liam Jones has been in very good form and Jacob Wietering's been in very good form. So I think they'll throw the fire blanket over Charlie Dixon. I think the scores here will come down, generally speaking, for Port Adelaide to, to, uh, to still get up. So more total points for Jay and the power as well for both the boys. Now we go on to Hawthorne and Melbourne. Uh, five and a half point line for the in favour of the Hawks. They're coming off a three goal performance last week. So Jay, uh, what are your thoughts on, can the Hawks take down the D's? This is so hard to read as well. I mean, how could you say with any confidence that Melbourne or Hawthorne are, are absolutely going to turn up uh, in this one? So again, I'm, I'm steering away. I'm steering away from the head to head result. I mean, you think Hawthorne are going to be a lot better you know, and, and bounce back. And traditionally, Alistair Clarkson doesn't lose too many games uh, on the trot. You know, they're going to try and fix up their ball movement across halfback. They got stuck at halfback a lot against Collingwood last week. So what I think you will see is a lot more sort of continuous movement off halfback to get the ball in the front half of, uh, front half of the ground. Uh, and Melbourne will have a big opportunity to score in this game out of the centre square, out of the stoppage. That's Oliver, that's Petrarca, Brayshaw when he's in there. Harms has been in there a little bit. Salem, we know, went forward a little bit more. So Melbourne will try and control this at the stoppage and then Hawthorne will try and control this game with their ball movement. So like Geelong did against Melbourne a few weeks ago, I expect Hawthorne to try and keep that footy and slow the tempo of this down a little bit or or disturb the tempo. They don't want to be in a free-flowing stoppage game against Melbourne. So look for the Hawthorne to have this this game and this footy in their hands uh, for as much as they possibly can. The total point score again is about 127. I think that is far too high, especially um, with so many question marks over Hawthorne's ability to score. You look at their, their score Scoring this season um, has come absolutely right down. I can't see them just throwing the gates open and wanting to get into a into a shootout against Melbourne. So I think Clark, I'll really try and control the tempo in this one. It's predictable. And Jacob, you're on the uh, a similar page that you think the Hawks uh, will be in control of this one. Yeah, I think the Hawks will be in control. And let's dive a bit deeper into Melbourne's numbers last week. Now, the issue we raised before last week's game was their ability to score from their entries. Now, in that game against Gold Coast, they scored from 42% of their entries, which is right on the AFL average, which is why they were able to get a win. But diving a little bit deeper into that number of 42%, Gold Coast were actually just turning the ball over to them after Melbourne had turned it over. So if you kick it inside 50 kick it to Gold Coast, Gold Coast don't even leave 50 and kick it back to you and then you score, that counts as an efficient entry. And that's what Melbourne were doing. They were turning the ball over, getting Gold Coast to turn it back to them and then scoring. So it wasn't a classical way. Their forward line still wasn't working um, as, a, as a good forward line should. Hawthorne um, with a really solid defense this year with Sicily controlling it back there. Frost has been a really good pick up for them from Melbourne. Their back line's actually going quite, quite strongly. Um, I think they're going to be able to, again, restrict Melbourne's scoring. The only way Melbourne could actually get into this game is from stoppages and dominating um, center bounces, but I think Hawthorne halftime, full time paying two dollars twenty is just far too juicy to get to avoid. 
It's a bit more value for Jacob there. Now we push on to uh, the Dockers and the Eagles. And you said you didn't understand the markets for a couple of games. Well, I don't understand the market for this one. Everyone jumps off the Eagles a couple of weeks ago. And since then, they've beaten the two bottom sides. And so I don't understand how they're such heavy favourites against the Dockers, who were incredible last week. I doubled down on my flag bet. Uh, and Jay, Jacob, I see your bets for this game. You're you're with the market. You're um you're you're against the Dockers. I don't well, get it, Jacob. Your team, your Saints, they uh, were no good. Well, you did say that they played the two bottom teams. Now they get to play the three bottom teams in three consecutive weeks. Um, West Coast, the line is sitting at 18 and a half. Frio did have a really strong second half against the Saints, but there is one area this game where I think West Coast can dominate. It's the same area I thought they could dominate last week, which is at centre bounces. Now, last week they won the centre clearance count 13 to 4 against Adelaide. The total clearance count was 28-17. They come up now against Fremantle, who lose Sean Darcy. Nat Fife isn't 100%. And Adelaide had the worst uh, clearance differential of any team last week, which is they played last week. Now they come up against the Dockers, who had the second worst clearance differential in 2020. So, again, expect West Coast to be able to control this game from stoppages, especially centre bounces. And with Tim Kelly, who found form last week, he had 24 disposals and a match-high eight clearances. If they can keep that going and keep him in form, they should be able to control this game comfortably. And, Jay, you're with the Eagles as well. Yeah, I'm the same. I think um, they've really started to find their mojo out of the middle of the ground with Kelly, as you said, Nick, Nat, um, Elliot Yo, I think has, has really uh, improved his performances. So I'm on West Coast here and I like this is my best roughie of the weekend. So just get the Eagles at 40 plus. Um, and we know, you know, that obviously the Derby's some, you know, many of them have been quite tight, but I think West Coast can run rampant here. 40 plus, I think he's paying, what is it, $4? So I like the Eagles to really get a hold of them. We know Fremantle, again, will try and possess the ball. You know, they like to short chip around. Um, they'll be trying to do that. They, they won't want stoppages in this game either because that's where they could really be opened up, especially with a question mark on Fife, that hamstring. You know, so Angus Brayshaw really has a, a huge load to play in there. Whether you look at him as a bit of a player prop and to go over 20 possessions, that might appeal. Um, but I think West Coast, if they can get that centre stoppage game going, um, can really take Fremantle apart in this one. I like the Dockers head-to-head there. Uh, the team that the Dockers uh, comfortably took care of last week in the Saints, they are playing Monday Night Football against the Crows. Uh, Jacob, it's your mob. Uh, we'll stick with you. Yeah, now it doesn't matter who Adelaide are playing in this game. Adelaide are historically bad. The line here is sitting at 16 points. It did, you could pick any opponent for Adelaide and the line should be sitting at least 24 points for them. They're playing that poorly. Their last five results have lost by 75, 53, 37, 20, and 33. They have had 25 fewer entries than their opponents in four of those games. They've lost wow. the clearance count by nine or more in four of those five games, and they've just lost Sloan. They haven't mm. won the tackle count in any of their games this season. They wow. are that bad at the moment that you could pick you could pick 17 teams and they should be hit starting at least four goals outsiders in all of, in every single one of those 17 matches. This is the best bet of the week. St Kilda by the line of 16 and a half. Just they're, they're, they're playing against a team that is historically poor. And Jay, you're on the same page. Strong argument, Jacob. I like that. I'll, uh, I'll follow you in there. I do like the Saints as well. You just know with these sort of um, clubs, you know, when they're going really poorly and you sort of start to think this mob is not going to win a game for the whole season. They inevitably bob up and win one, don't they? So I'm all, I've been scarred by this in the past, boys. So I've made that mistake uh, before. But, um, yeah, I, otherwise I do. I'm not, I'm not huge on the Saints this year. I think we sort of probably 
the footy industry has got ahead of where St Kilda really should be. I still do think they're a very emerging, developing uh, group. And at times they've shot the lights out in some games this year. But I'm still pretty cautious. And I don't think St Kilda is a top eight or even a top ten top 10 team uh, at this stage. Um, I do like Jackie Billings uh, in this game. He is really coming into his own as a goal-kicking uh, midfielder. So I like him as an anytime goal scorer in this one. He, When he gets a ball in his hands, he really can shoot the lights out uh, in terms of uh, kicking goals. He, he's definitely fixed, with the help of Ben Dixon, um, some of those goal-kicking issues. So I like St Kilda into Billings to kick at least one goal. That's $2.50. So I think that's pretty easy money, boys. Yeah, so with what you said there as well, Jay, the Saints aren't as experienced as people think they are. They actually feel the least experienced team of anyone in round uh, round six. So they they're not yep. they don't have much experience, especially with Ryder and Hanbury out of the team. Yep. They they lack experience across that team. Dicko's still getting a run on this show uh, whenever you guys can squeeze him in there. Uh, <laughs> that covers all the games. We will quickly touch on the snag stand because we are way over time. But I will say I'm on the same page as Jacob. I love Isaac Rankin. Uh, I like him to kick a couple this week. Pretty much all his kicks last week were shots on goal. So I like him to keep that going while he's in the forward line. Uh, and Papley, obviously, in the same game, I like him to kick three. Uh, the Swans have got Heaney out. Not many other players are having shots on goal down there. So Papley three, Rankin two. And if you're playing with the first goal scorer market, which I always do, go Rankin for the first because the Suns have kicked the first in every game this year and go Papley for the first Sydney goal. Now we'll get to your best bets. Jay Clark, we will start with you. Um, my best bet is uh, Port Adelaide um, to knock over Carlton and that total points under. I think that's a really high line coming off Carlton's big win uh, last week so against the Bulldogs. So I like Port Adelaide um, into, a, uh, into a total points under multi. I think that's my best bet and I think that's good coin. And your best roughie of the weekend? That's West Coast to really do the job on your Dockers. I think uh, they've found their mojo, West Coast, and I think they can, against the inexperienced Fremantle midfield, and Fremantle have done very well to, to remain in games. I think Justin Longmuir has been very solid in his first year in charge, but I think this is a really uh, vulnerable matchup for them. And Jacob, your best ret and best roughie of the weekend. Yeah, the best bet is anything against Adelaide. As I said, you, you won't find the worst team in the league at round six. So just enjoy betting against them while you can. Um, and for the best roughie, go big. So go for the $14 odds of Brisbane 40 plus. You could wind that back and go Brisbane 20 plus and get about $4 or $5 on that. I can go real big. I can go for that 40 plus win for the Lions as outsiders, $14. All right, well, that wraps it from <laughs> I promise you next week I'll find a spot that's not in the sun. But thank you, fellas. Thanks again. Uh, I will say my best bet of the weekend is to double down on your Dockers flag bet. All right, they're flying. They're going to beat the Eagles. <laughs> uh, and in saying that, please gamble responsibly. We'll see you on the AFL Footy Fill Up next week.